Today, I talk with Shah Patel. She shared her journey to becoming an influencer, how to create content with intention, and how you can be authentic to yourself and your journey. And we talk real business, making money from your personal brand and expecting the money you are worth. So if you're interested in this kind of content, inshallah, stay tuned. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Shared Diversity. Today, we're talking about business, branding, and womanhood. Before you jump into this episode, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Shared Diversity Podcast. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on, Shahd. Thank Am you I saying your name me. right, Shahd? Yeah, Shahd. Alhamdulillah. Okay. So um, for those who don't know you, which I think are not going to be so many people, um, <laughs> could you introduce yourself in 30 seconds? In 30 seconds. Wow. Um, okay. I can start over. Yes. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, I was born and raised in Minneapolis. I'm originally Sudanese. I moved to LA a couple of years ago. I I'm a full-time content creator, um, so beauty, fashion, lifestyle, whatever my interests are, honestly, I'm lucky enough to be able to make my interests and hobbies into a career, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm doing it. I'm 23, um, suddenly can't remember anything else about myself, um, but yeah, that's kind of the gist. I'm a content creator. Beautiful. So actually why I wanted to speak with you was because your personal brand is so strong and you have a very unique journey so you started yeah. actually blogging as a natural hair blogger and yeah. uh, you already built an audience back then and then you started to get into modest fashion so I really want to know what was your journey and I, I guess it's going to be a longer answer but what yeah. was your journey in creating your personal brand and then also rebranding yourself from after you chose to wear the hijab yeah, so it's definitely a very unique journey. I so I was just I grew up very normal. Alhamdulillah, I had a very average, good upbringing. Um, I was in school. I was studying public relations, and I really loved it. Honestly, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would be on the other side of what I'm doing. Um, but it's interesting because the PR that I studied is much different than what PR is now. But I was just in school, and I was having kind of the same crisis that a lot of college kids have of like, is this what I want to do? Is this the direction I want? And I'm lucky that my parents never pushed me to, to be a doctor or a lawyer because my parents were not doctors and lawyers. Um, so it was anything in the arts was some, or like had, anything that had to do with writing was okay. And just, I have to die. I have, I guess I could say my parents are as cool as it gets for Muslim parents. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to my story. Um, so I was in school. I was a YouTube baby. Like I grew up watching YouTube. I grew up watching the OGs, but none of them looked like me. And I, I didn't, I don't think I necessarily took that in, but I was just like, so when I, I, I can't say that I did, I started doing what I'm doing because I didn't see anyone that looks like me. It was all like very fluid for me. Um, so I actually on one day on my MacBook Air decided to film a YouTube video in my dorm room. It was horrible. It will never see the light of day ever again. Um, but it was that first step that I needed. Um, and so I made a video. I put it online. I think I was so excited when it got 100 views. I still remember like hitting 100. I was sitting in my English class when I hit 100 subscribers. Like These things are all very fresh in my mind. What year was um, that? 
this was 2015, 2016, 2016, 2016, um, because it's been about four years now. And I was doing it, but I didn't tell anybody, right? And I don't fully remember what my first video was. I think it was a chatty video. It wasn't a natural hair video, but I started doing natural hair videos because it was my journey of going from damaged hair to healthy hair and and it it meant more than that it meant it meant kind of coming into myself it like a lot of stuff I you know my whole life I had been straightening my hair and 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 relaxing my hair Um, but now I'm like this is I want to feel good about my natural hair so it, it did mean so much more to me and I think people kind of followed that journey of natural hair and even even with the natural hair videos I would always talk and I think if anything I was more vocal back then before I than I am now because you know unfortunately there are so many other factors there is someone that always has something to say um you know you do always kind of want to be politically correct so there are barriers that unfortunately you know, privacy reasons, like just so many reasons that, you know, I'm not as vocal and I have to take more precaution now. Uh, but I just, I said what I wanted to say. I was young, I was dumb and I was making these videos. And then I, like I said, I didn't tell anybody, but people started finding me. Um, and they'd come up to me like, Hey, I found your videos. And I'm like, that was, that's not me. I don't know who, (laughs) I don't know who that girl is. It's not me. I was so embarrassed. It was kind of like I was living a Hannah Montana life. Um, and so I was like, okay, I have to tell my parents before anybody else tells them that their daughter is making videos on the internet because I don't, I don't even know how they would react to that or what, where their mind would go. So I told my dad first and I was like, hey, Baba, I make videos on the internet. And he was like, what? I'm like, don't worry, I can make money off of it and I can do this and this is why it's a good idea. And he was like, okay, don't do anything dumb don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass our family, but you can do it. And I was like, wow, no one else's parents would have been that cool about it. And I told my mom, and I think till this day, they don't completely understand what I do, but they are supportive. And I have had to be very patient because, because they don't understand what I do. I have to like kind of baby feed them. Um, so that I have, cause you know, having their support is so important to me. And so many times I get questions from girls being like, Oh, I want to do this. But my family doesn't support it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, honestly, like have the, the last resort is to not have your family on your side, you know? Yeah. Um, so just being very patient with them and how did I, things are good now or they never were not good, but, um, so told them and I was like, okay, now I have a little bit more confidence Kept making the videos. I I, th- I think at this point I had like twenty, thirty thousand followers, um, and around it was in twenty sixteen. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was around elections. I decided to start wearing hijab, and there were so many different factors and reasons why I wanted to wear it. I always knew that I wanted to wear the hijab, um, but I always just thought it would be later in my life because you know I. In my family, it was like, you know, wear it when you're ready. And, and there, it, it wasn't the number one thing. Um, so I always knew I wanted it, but didn't know when. But I think for like a few months before, I had like this overwhelming feeling of I feel ready because I was kind of, I was in a difficult place in my life where I turned to the dean and I was relearning a lot of the things that were just kind of taught to us that I didn't question before, you know, and, and, and anyone could attest to, you know, 
learning it on your own, it, it means has so much more meaning to it. Um, so it was just a place. And I, I remember like, I would be, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to like, make sure my prayers, I'm not missing any prayers. And so I would always have a scarf with me. And I was one day I was just like, man, this is annoying. <laughs> like I should just wear a scarf. Um, and so I didn't really think about the social media aspect. Like I didn't think about, actually I did, but I was like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't, if like, this isn't my full-time job. This isn't, I mean, it is, but I was like, if this isn't the path for me, if people stop following me, because I get it. If you follow someone for natural hair and they stop posting natural hair videos, there's so much other content you can watch. You know, I don't yeah. take that personally. But again, I didn't really think about it. I just kind of thought, okay, I'm ready to put it on. Whatever happens, happens. And I knew that it was above me and, you know, I just had to go with it. So I put it on. I, those were around election times. There was just that video that I have up. I, I was so emotional the day after elections. It's so embarrassing. I really want to take it down, but for the culture, I can't take it down. Because <laughs> um, that, that was real. That was where I was um, in life at the time. And, you know, there were just so many stories about girls, you know, taking a hijab off out of fear. And, and it was just so ugly. And I was like, I could do something here. I could do something that matters here, you know, that, that would encourage these girls. And, and everything I do from the jump, is for like these younger girls is for the younger me right because i did i grew up hating my natural hair right and i don't want any of these girls my daughter inshallah to ever to feel like that you know i don't think that you have to unlearn i don't think anybody else needs to unlearn things that i've had to unlearn you could just not learn it in the first place um so that was kind of where i was so mm -hmm all over the place but and things weren't good initially so i started i was doing beauty here and there but i wasn't a heavy beauty person um but once i started wearing hijab i was like okay I, i've got my face to work with now um yeah. so i got more into makeup and it was good i really really loved it at the time i was very glam like I was learning I wasn't a makeup artist and that's the thing is I've never been a professional at anything I've never claimed to be an expert at anything I was just a normal girl navigating being a young adult you know mm -hmm. um so what happened next I would still talk a little bit here and there and things were rough for like a couple months you know it didn't I was like, okay, like YouTube is not going to be a thing for me anymore. No one cares anymore. And that's fine. I need to go back to school. But then I think one day, like one video did well. And it was kind of this influx of new people. Mm -hmm. And what it felt like was the old people leaving, like the subscribers that I was losing, losing and a whole new group of people coming in. And it felt like a different community. And though people always knew I was Muslim, mm -hmm. it's different when you're visibly Muslim. Yeah. Um, so it felt, it felt good. It felt there was a lot of positivity at the moment. Um, and there still is, alhamdulillah. Um, but that's, that's kind of that. And things kind of just like picked up and I was still doing what I was doing. I think at the time I had like 30, 40,000 subscribers. Um, you know, that went and I, again, was still, I don't even know if I mentioned this. I should mention I'm a horrible storyteller, so please bear with me. Um, I did miss this part out. Basically, I was going through a lot and I sat my parents down and I was like, I want to pursue this. Mm -hmm. If give me one year and if I can't do anything with it, I will go back to school. Um, and so I was taking that time. I took that year off school. I 
did not go back to school. I moved mm-hmm. to LA <laughs> in the most cliche form. Um, so I was, I was doing, I guess it's, it's kind of a blur to me, honestly, in the past, the past couple of years have gone by so quickly and so much has happened. Um, so I'm in Minneapolis making videos in my parents' basement. And, um, I think one day I'm in, I'm giving, a I'm doing a panel in New York at Columbia for, it was, it was on diversity, inclusivity. I remember just talking about taking risks and I was thinking about how I'm such a hypocrite because I'm living so safe and so fine in my parents' basement. And I had been wanting to move to LA for, I knew that's, I just, I knew it was what I wanted. Um, so I booked a flight from New York to LA. I moved to LA or I come to LA and I'm like, I'm going to look for an apartment now. And I, cause I thought I was just grown. I'm 21 at the time. And I'm like, oh, no one will give me an apartment if I have no rental history. I am a child. I can't really, I don't have any credit and I can't prove that I have a real job. So that was a little tricky to navigate. Got a spot and it was such a risk because I called my parents. I remember being like, hey, Baba, I got an apartment. And it didn't, it was a little rough at first. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew my parents, like, our relationship is like we're friends um, and they are there to guide me, but it's never been like I'm afraid of my parents type of thing, which is such a common you know, thing in our communities. But moved to LA and now it's kind of, it's the past couple of years have been, I, I always say like I was making videos in my parents' basement and I loved it, but I, it was just me. Um, and it was safe because I didn't have to work with, I didn't have to do anything. I knew what I was doing. It was just me. There was no one to tell me yes, no, yes. no one critiquing me. It was just mm-hmm. me. And now I feel like I'm part of an industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are good sides, there are bad sides, but I, for me, I only work with people that I love to work with people that I like to work with. Cause I think life is too short and work doesn't have to stress me out as much as I, other people allow it to stress them out. I also found my first gray hair in the summer and I feel like my life has been different ever since I'm, <laughs> I don't let my, <laughs> I don't let myself get stressed out anymore. Um, it was funny cause I called my mom and I'm like, mama, I found my first gray hair and she was in Suzanne at the time and they were laughing at me, her and her sisters. They're like, yeah, we are, the women are family gray early. And I'm like, great. Good to know. Um, but yeah, now it, it's, it's, there's the content creation side, but I do have an incredible team that helps me out, that helps me on, you know, the the negotiations and things that I was doing before by myself, but I'm no good at it. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how to, I don't, I look at a contract and I'm done. I'm zoned out. So I have, luckily I have people that are able to take care of everything on that side, on the logistics side. So I'm able to just focus on creative. Um, and then so there, I want to yeah, yeah. ask um over the time so multiple things um over the time when you started how was your level of self-confidence and what brought you from the idea of there's youtube and i grew up with it and there's this tool that i can use to then actually saying there's potential to make money and then really to going and taking the step to move to la at 21 which is pretty young how do you gather that self-confidence to just put all of what you had in this one tool. Yeah, I fully believe in fake it till you make it because that's exactly what I did. 
I think I was making, even till this day when I make, you know, I have a series on my channel called, called Shai with Sheh to where I just like a Q and A. Um, when I do these types of videos where I am very vulnerable, it's 100% things that I need to hear myself and I'm just trying to believe it. Um, and so that's kind of how it was. I was never like the kid that fit in anywhere. I was never, I never had like a group of friends. I never, I, you know, I really struggled with my relationships when I was younger. Um, and you know, till this day, I mean, now I have to die. I found a good, a good group of people here in LA, but, um, I didn't, I never had that before. Um, so it was solely me and in a, in a way it was good because I think had I had a lot of people around me and a lot of opinions around me, I would have been too scared to start YouTube because I would have been scared to, you know, what would, what are people going to think and blah, blah, blah. And I, I kind of was like that because I didn't tell anybody what mm. I was doing, but yeah. I think that was the best way I could have gone about it. Cause otherwise I would have been so shy. I would have been too embarrassed. Um, and, and yeah, it, it ended up working in my favor. Um, and I think over the time, over time, it just, you have to, I mean, you have to do the work of course, but it does come with age. It does come with the longer you've been doing this and I've like, it doesn't go away. I think the, like any issues that I have with, you know, self-worth or confidence, it doesn't go away. It just comes I've, over time, it just comes in different ways and your triggers change. And when someone, I think when I was younger, it was like, I, am I pretty? Am I like cool? And then you get older and you're like, am I a good person? Am I actually lovable? Am I a good Muslim? Like, I, like there's so many, it, the caliber just changes. Um, and so that's not something that ever goes away, but there are so many I think you have to put in the work to figure out how you deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and honestly, now a lot of it is with the love of the people in my real life because as great as, you know, love on social media is, it's not always, it's not real. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that it's not real, but it shouldn't justify, it shouldn't be the, the basis of your self-confidence. And I think unfortunately that's the case for a lot of content creators. Mm -hmm. But if I was to take all the good, that means I have to take all the bad. Yes. You know, um, that so, actually yeah. reminds me of something that I just heard. Um, I think it was a pastor saying it. He said, nowadays we need to figure out that our influence is not wider than our character deep. So saying, okay, I want to share how I deal with um, you know, my self-worth or how I deal with my Islam or how I deal with modesty. And then from yourself your character is not that deep that you're kind of not keeping up so you're creating content about a topic where you really think people need to hear about it and you yourself you also need to hear about it <clears throat> but at the same time people should be able to meet you in person in private and understand your deepest thoughts and be even more impressed than when they see mm -hmm. you online sharing these things with a wider yeah. audience yeah. So um, I feel that is very important when you create content that you at the same time you preserve your personal health and mm. your personal life and work on your character ongoing the same way or and even more than what you put out as an influence to the world. But then I look at your channel and you're creating so much content, mashallah. So what are like very practical 
tools that you use for yourself to preserve your own character, to grow as a person and develop yourself and then at the same time create content that can, as you say, benefit those sisters and those younger girls that you want intentionally be uh, influenced by your content. How mm -hmm. do you how do you navigate that practically? Yeah, I think I've never wanted to feel like I was being performative, right? Mm -hmm. I think my content has always been, this is where I am in life right now. And I can never speak for like my entire journey or in the future. It's like, this is where I am right now. And it would not, it wouldn't be natural for me to, you know, always talk about how high my iman is and how all of these things are, because that's not the case, you know, um, even my journey with modest fashion. I guess if we talk about that, because there's a lot of conversation about that. Mm -hmm. I think I went from not wearing the hijab, not always being the most modest dresser to being like, okay, I want to wear it. Mm -hmm. um, and mind you, I, I, I do have a platform at this time. So there are people watching the whole journey. Okay. I think I'm going to wear it. I was wearing, you know, half of my hair was out and I was wearing what I, I, I was, it was like, I was trying, I was like in a weird in-between phase, which mm -hmm. I'm so glad I went through. Um, and then, I, you know, there's a phase where I will be really conservative and then a phase, a phase where I'm not. Like, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a fluid thing. Um, but I'm aware that there are people watching it the whole, the whole time, but I can't perform and be like, this is, this is where I am all the time because I think when it gets performative is where there's a lot of, um, resentment that is unnecessary that I don't think we've really had to deal with before social media. And so for me, I'm like, I'm doing the best I can. I cannot be the face of all Muslims. I cannot, I cannot speak on behalf of everybody, but this is my journey. And I, I'm lucky, alhamdulillah, I feel like the reason why people have stuck around through all of these changes, because I've been 5 million people since I've been on the internet, is because I'm, I do speak about things that matter to me um, in the midst of the beauty and the fashion. Like I said, I, I'm really grateful that I get to make my hobbies into a career, but it's bigger than me. You know, it's, it's, it's everything I do is much, it all has a much larger meaning from the natural hair, that journey to my journey of like, what does modest fashion, what does, what does modesty look like to me? You know, when I first started wearing it, I was like, oh my gosh, everyone. And modest fashion on the internet was a lot of dresses, a lot of skirts, which were beautiful and very modest, but I'm too reckless to wear a dress every day of my life. And I just, I didn't know my personal style. So I think people were watching that. And I think through the evolution of this, I can look back and be like, wow, I have grown so much. My self-confidence, I'm not looking for that type of validation that I think I may have when I was younger. Um, but even now, it's like I, I really am loving wellness content. I'm really loving self-care. I think those are my favorite videos to create, to edit. Um, I, feel, I feel like that it has a larger impact for me at the moment because, and for other people because that's what I'm passionate about at the moment. And I'm not, I, I've, I, I do still love beauty, but I, I don't, I've fallen out of love with it a little bit. So for me to continue doing something that I know people like, I know people want to see, but doesn't feel authentic to me. I just, I know I'm going to start to resent it or I'm going to start to resent myself or the internet for not being authentic to where I am at the time. And, and that's why I always say when people ask me, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years? I'm always like, I just, 
I hope I'm doing something that feels authentic at the time. Because mm-hmm. if I had guessed where I would have been, would have been five years ago, where I would have been now five years ago, <laughs> absolutely not where I am right now. Um, but this feels authentic at the, at right now. Yeah. So I want to go more into self-care because one of the big campaigns and just shout outs from your brand that I really loved was buy yourself flowers <laughs> every single time every single time I see someone buying flowers or I see like a stand where you can buy flowers I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking I should buy myself flowers I should also buy my mom flowers because she's yes. really happy but I should also buy myself flowers <laughs> and we can't just wait for anyone to buy ourselves flowers and it just gives you so much joy um so I think it's a real big deal, even whether you have a small brand online or a big, that how do you preserve your mental health? How do you take care of yourself? How do you, how are you happy? And how are you also content with maybe not being happy at that moment? And then at the same time, trying to create content that inspire people or that give them value or that educate them. So how do you navigate your own mental health and being present and online on social media yeah um that is a loaded question um going back to buy yourself flowers that i i think you know that was an accident that started as a tweet that i accidentally wrote buying myself followers every day and then it was too late and people were laughing at it and by the time i saw it it was too late for me to like fix it I was like well I can't delete it now because I'm gonna look guilty I was gonna look like I bought followers um so I just left it there and it was a joke and then people were like oh it's Friday buy yourself followers and I was like no <laughs> buy yourself flowers um and initially it was very surface level it was like literally I was buying myself flowers um but then over time it kind of felt like I can do that in different ways so I think the phrase means so much more than just the phrase um, but how I take care of myself with social media, um, I just, I try to be honest with myself first and foremost. And if I'm not okay, I, I think I used to be really hard on myself. And I think it's really easy for Gen Zers and millennials to just be hard on ourselves all the time. I think there's a lot of like Muslim girl guilt on top of that or is am I doing enough am I doing the right thing how do I how do I navigate anything in life um but I think being honest with myself first and foremost and I I write a lot I don't share all my writing um with everybody but it's really important for me to journal because once you write everything down it's real and it's out there and you can surprise yourself so I think if I'm not I will anything I will literally wake up in the morning and be like you know this is the mood for the day or, or if, if I'm having a great moment or like a really good night with my friends I will try even if I don't have time I'll write down like little details that I remember so I can go back to that and I'm like oh this was the time where you know I felt very loved by my friends and you know really supportive or supported or you know I this with my family or whatever it, what it is like I write everything down just so I can go back to it but also I, I love looking at my growth right mm-hmm. so if there's this particular situation that's weighing really heavy on my heart and I'm writing about it in the moment um, and I'm writing about it two months later five months later a year later I'm able to look at my growth and that's something that 
helps me be like I'm I'm okay because I'm I'm I am growing and that's enough and a lot of people feel like they're we always feel like we're not doing enough and that in itself like existing <laughs> is an accomplishment um and so for me I, I like to write everything down um just to have a better sense of Just so I can, I, I guess so I can look at things objectively too. But when it comes to social media, I, 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 I can't always be creating content if I'm not feeling like it. So like I said, I'm not, I'm trying not to be as hard on myself anymore. And if I'm not feeling it, I'm, I, I will turn, turn off, you know, I'll shut down. But when I do shut down, I try to not just spend my time passively. Right. So I'm still trying to feed my mind because those are the times you need it most. The times where you are just like ready to be done with everything. That's the time where you need to be nurturing your mind, your body, your spirit. I mean, as corny as it is, that's when you need it the most. So instead of spending it passively and sometimes, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to turn off and watch Netflix, but reading, um, you know, for me, I love hiking. I love being outside and it's, it's just like little things. And I think people, people, it's easy to, to overlook how big such little things are. Like for me, like one thing I like to do when I'm procrastinating or anything, it's like literally counting to three and like, okay, I'm going to get up and do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is something that's helped me, but not spending my time passively and, or just being around people. Sometimes that's it. Sometimes I need water. Sometimes I need a good meal. And I, that's actually something that I want to look into more. Um, and I know it's, it's something that's very classist. It's a very privileged things, but I think that the quality of your meals as well can definitely determine the quality of your life. And I remember yeah. Oprah saying something, my queen, um, about how that's how she feels. And I truly believe it. So I have been, I was vegan for like three years. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I just, I, my body started craving like eggs again. And I realized it wasn't the eggs. It was the protein that I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I just, I don't eat meat, but I'm still very mindful of the food that I eat. And I don't think everybody needs to be a vegan. I think it's very impractical to tell Sudanese people that they have to be vegan. Um, <laughs> um, but I just try to be mindful about the food I eat. I try to be intentional. I try to actually spend time cooking because that's usually when I feel better when I feel nurtured and a lot of it is you, we can get really lazy with these things that do matter. And, and there are things that I've taken even from my mother, like, you know, I always watched my mom put perfume on before she goes to sleep. And I, and, and when she cleans and she like does the behood and the oud, it's not just like to do it. Like that's a form of self care. Mm. Um, and so I think my AirPod fell out. Yeah. Um, it's a form of self care and I've, I've, always lived with that and for me work matters but I think people forget that there are so many other aspects of our lives that we don't prioritize I think like this association with how hard you work or your success and your worth is really dangerous and it's a very western view um, but I think if we just start believing that we're worthy before any of this or without any of these external things, um, we'd have a lot less problems than we have right now. Mini break, please don't forget to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button to get the newest and freshest content. Yeah, that's very true. And a lot of things that you're mentioning, I guess, come down to self-awareness. 
So practicing practicing self-care through being aware of what you need, whether that is your mind or your body or even your spirit or your soul and really understanding. And I think that is also a big deal where you come along and say, okay, writing is a form where I get more self-aware and I kind of can track my mood, but also track what I can be grateful for and remind myself of that in times where I feel I need it. Because sometimes we need the reminders. We just forget so easily and so quickly. Yeah. And the thing about writing that I love, because I don't share it publicly, it's like, I don't, I don't care if I'm a good writer or not. I don't care. No one's going to see this. This is for myself and that how I feel like that's such a rare thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But not everybody can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's how I found my outlet. But some people don't know how to do that. Some people need to talk to somebody. Some people need to, you know, be around people. Like the way I recharge is on my own, but some people recharge around people like I think if you know how you can't take care of yourself unless you know how to unless you know how you regain your energy yeah and that has to happen by yourself internally understanding you know what you really want and that only looking outside how other people do with it yeah yeah Um, so one thing go ahead go ahead you tell me Um, I was just going to say, and constantly checking in because that is something that can change, right? Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I think I I was a lot more extroverted than I am now. Um, but like I said, constantly checking in on where you are at the moment, Mm -hmm. but go ahead. And last time we spoke, you also said you should constantly check in on your intentions when you create a brand or you create something Mm -hmm. for yourself or even your career. So I just want to know, okay, building something bigger than yourself creating a legacy for yourself, these things sound very overwhelming for people that are just starting out, creating a personal brand, for example, or starting on their career and wanting a personal brand to support that. So how, what are the steps that you can take to really be intentionally based in your branding and create something that is bigger than yourself? Yeah, um, so constantly checking in. For me, when I first started my channel I wasn't doing it for anyone like I said I I wasn't thinking oh there's no one that looks like me I have to do it and it's going to be this big thing and you know it's going to help other people feel good about themselves no actually if I'm being honest I just wanted to do it for myself um and then I re- slowly realized what that meant um and if anything that helped me fall in love with it more and more but constantly checking in with your intentions is saying okay okay, why did I start this, right? And like I said, for me, it was I wanted to do it to, okay, what can I do with it? Or who who is this for? Because I don't think that you are ever going to find fulfillment in just doing something for yourself ever. And especially if you're going to make something a career, this is why we, there's so many studies that are like, you know, money doesn't actually buy you happiness. So that's why there's so many issues with people that have all the money that that have everything they want and they're still not happy um so constantly checking in okay so initially it was okay I would love for you know these younger girls to feel like they have somebody that looks like them that is a normal person just navigating Minneapolis or LA or the industry or whatever however you want to see yourself in somebody to okay that still matters to me but now how can I do how could I give back how could I do even more with what I'm doing. How can I, I love creating content. Is this still the way that I want to be creating content? 
Um, is this the path that I want to go down? Oh, actually, oh, it's been a couple of years. Now my interests have changed a little bit. How do I incorporate every, like, how do I, how do I switch things up? How do I, it's like, what is that game where you just, ah, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm just constantly switching around the puzzle pieces, I guess, for lack of a better term. But it's really important because I think if you don't check in, that's when going back to the resentment thing, you're going to start to not enjoy what you do. And when you start to not enjoy what you do, that's a huge indicator that you haven't been checking in with yourself. And that's okay. It's okay to get there because we all just put life on the back burner. We put, um, we put our iman on the back burner. We put things that are so crucial to our survival on the back burner and we get so caught up in day to day. Um, and it's okay to get there, like don't be hard on yourself, but that's a huge indicator that maybe what you're doing is what you wanna be doing, but you you never wanna feel like you've gone too far down it to not be able to look back or to be able to backtrack and fix something. Do you think there is a point where you can't go back or is it always just checking in and not overthinking it? Because I think a lot of times we overthink, okay, what is my mission statement and what is my vision for the brand? Mm. And like you say, where do I need to be in five years and where do I want to, this to be growing in? How do I monetize it? And I want to get to that in a bit. But do you think that there is a specific moment where you need to re reflect on the intention behind your brand or can you do it at any stage of the process you're in right now? I think you can do it at any stage. I don't think it's ever too late to reevaluate or it's ever too late to rebrand. We have so many great examples of that already. But I think when it comes to... I mean, in, in what regards do you mean? Are you talking about if someone specifically on social media or someone who is on in the industry or... Yeah, so let's say a practical example. I have a sister who wants to get into... She studied law and a lot of people know about a about, uh, law student. She wants to uh, change a lot of social issues with law. But then she's also interested in creating modest, a modest fashion side. And she's interested in creating a uh, healthy, nutritional um, uh, coffee shop and like so many different things. Like where do you see her understanding of more, okay, I want to give back from what I really enjoy doing to oh this is the industry where I'm at right now and I can't deviate or I can't like change my ways because people will think I'm shaky or whatever so mm -hmm. um I think I'm asking from a from a personal branding perspective because when we're looking at branding yes these things seem very separate but if you look at a person a person is not only one facet like Shacht is not only you know I like makeup or I like fashion or I am talking about self-care you are a lot of different things And many more that we don't see as viewers on a, in a social media space. Like you are so many different fa facets. Do you believe that a personal brand can? And if you, how can a personal brand reflect really all the parts of what you want to achieve and all the parts that you want to intentionally change or grow or develop yourself into? Mm -hmm. I think we're almost in 2020 and people will people follow people people follow who they love people stick a i'm sorry i don't know if you guys can hear there's like construction happening people stick around for what they love and they tune into authenticity right so if you are authentic people will, will people buy things from people that they like right um and i think a good example of what you were saying your sister 
Uh, reminds me of my friend Amal, who is on YouTube now, but she went to law school. She loves social justice. She has the most beautiful mind ever, mashallah. But she loves content creating, right? And she, she worked at BuzzFeed. She's creating her own YouTube channel and she's finding a way to incorporate it all together because I think the way we have to look at the industry is there is a problem and there is a gap. How can I fill that gap, right? And it, and it could be with all these different interests that you have, whether it's law and fashion or you love a straw. I don't, I hate that stuff. Um, any, any, anything random. I think that it's, it's 2020. And I think the only way it's better to be good at multiple things to be like, okay, at multiple things than to have one focus. And I think it's, it's a lot more lucrative as well. Um, and obviously a lot more fulfilling because you're able to tap into all the different parts of yourself. Um, I think I think you you really put it well in in saying like people okay, we don't follow things or movements or projects. We follow people and their personalities and their character mm -hmm. and what they authentically authentically want to share. Yeah. And whether that is 10 different things that you've never thought this person has in them or it's just two or three different things, we follow them because they are authentically themselves. Yeah, and that's the way that things are moving now. Mm -hmm. I guess I can only speak to what I know and that's my industry is when you follow someone on social media, you don't think, okay, well, I'm only going to follow them for a short amount of time and then I'm going to unfollow them, right? You're, you Usually when you hit that follow button, you want to be following someone forever. And you can't expect that person to be the exact same person all the time. You, you're watching them grow and, you know, through little bits of themselves that they share, you get like the, these little, like a little bit of information here and there, random things about this person. You're starting to form... I guess not a relationship because the internet is not a relationship with someone, but you're starting to form relatability to this person. Yeah. Um, and so when you watch when they are, I guess for me, I was, if I'm doing fashion for a moment and then I switch to beauty for a moment and then I switched and I, I go back to wellness and then I go back to beauty, it's, you're following someone because usually you see something of yourself in them or you're seeing something aspirational in them or mm -hmm. something about them that you love that you can relate to. Mm -hmm. And whenever you are, I guess, whenever you are thinking about where you are, if you want to rebrand, it's always, it should always be one, there's, there's a problem. There's something that I can fix here. And you should never go into it thinking, no one can relate because mm. there's always someone who can see something in what you do um, in themselves, right? So there's people that I follow on YouTube that have nothing to do with me. Like we are completely opposite people. People who just talk about things that have nothing to do with me are completely opposite of me, but I there's something about their character and that's that's how it should be. People that you know follow me or if I'm walking and I, a white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes is like, I like your content. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, how do you relate to me? But that's always, so never, I don't think anyone should ever go into it thinking, what are people going to think? Who's, because you will find your people and you will find your niche and, and there's always a gap that needs to be filled and you, you're really not doing much by trying to do what the other people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else is doing. So, 
one big thing that I want to talk about is you really monetize your personal brand and what you've been doing, which is also playing into your self-confidence because I believe coming from our community, we don't necessarily see other people making a lot of money with things that First of all, we don't see a lot of people in the public space making a lot of money that look like us. And then also we see social media and it just looks, I'm just going to be honest, it just looks like this messy place. And you're just thinking, okay, everyone is talking about, you can build a personal brand if you're a beautiful woman and you're into fitness, just show your body. Um, you're going to make a lot of money with the, with the brands that are going to sponsor you. But I'm just seeing a lot of self-confidence and like belief and like just professionalism and how you grew your personal brand to be really monetized mm -hmm. and becoming financially independent with the content you create. So can you walk us through the steps of becoming financially independent with your personal brand? Absolutely. Um, I value, I don't care about money as much as I probably should, but I value financial freedom a lot because it's something that I guess within our communities, I think that there, I've seen so often, you know, a lot of, you know, parents, like our parents unhappy, not saying this is my situation, but like parents are unhappy, but you know, the mom is, is not financially independent to leave. And you just watch this, this system, this cycle, um, over and over again. So I've seen what it's done in communities and I'm like, I just need financial freedom for, for us. Um, and a lot of people are shy and they don't talk about these things because I think they think it's like a competitive thing, but I, it's, it's BS. Mm -hmm. um, I, so the way I make money through social media, I don't think you should ever have one outlet of like, you know, one outlet, one stream of income. Mm -hmm. um, so there is one aspect, which is, um, AdSense, which are the ads that play on Google, and you can choose how many ads you want to um, put on a video. And there are, this is now has become a much smaller um, part of my income. And then there is sponsored content, which is the basis of it. And when it comes to sponsored content, you can't just wake up one day and be like, I want to work with NARS Cosmetics. Okay. Like you, I don't, take meetings all day for nothing I don't go to events for nothing I don't travel for nothing and I know it 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 looks so perfect and people don't see the other side of it because it's supposed to look easy it's supposed to look effortless I don't want to stress social media out with oh my god my day was just so busy it was this brand and this brand and this happened and this happened no it's supposed to look easy no one sees the back end of it um but it's it's actively putting in the work I think a lot of people think that I've grown a following and people are going to come approach me regardless because there are people with 50,000 followers that are doing such good work and have such amazing deals. And there's people with a million followers that are not doing it. And I think part of it is also if you want to work with brands, your content has to be brand friendly. So you can't mm -hmm. be, um, you can't be like vol. You can't have like just inappropriate content. You can't be. And if you want to be like, how do I, how do I phrase it? If you want to be very vocal about, you know, very political, th whatever it is, um, your content has to be brand friendly at the end of the day. Um, and so if you're there, if you feel like you have curated content, that is great. You can take that to a brand. Um, and I, nowadays it's like, 
you can send a brand a DM. It's really not that um, that unprofessional. Um, you can. The goal is to move it to an email, but you can shoot a DM to someone um, and be like, I love your brand. Here's here are all the times that I have mentioned your brand and I would love to find a way that we, oh, I would love to find a way to collaborate and bring the pitch to them. People want to work with you if you make it easier to work with them, right? You can't be like, hey, I want to work with you and then put it all on them. They're going to be like, okay, get out of here. I'm busy. But if you, if you give them the whole pitch, it's a lot easier for them to work with, to want to work with you. Also, um, constantly keeping, um, with these brands, you want to be top of mind, right? So if I, I just came back from New York, you know, so it's important for me to be like, who do I know that's in New York? Let me grab a coffee with them even for 15 minutes. It's important to make sure that you're, you're top of mind and also maintaining those relationships. Um, so on the brand side, that's, that's the way to go about it. Okay. So now you, you got a deal, you got your first deal. It's great. They're, they're going to want to lowball you. A lot of these bigger companies want to lowball you, especially women that look like me. I think women like, who look like me are always asking me about deals and it's really disheartening how much brands want to pay are willing to pay. Um, because if we're being fully honest, like some of these girls come like have, they have the content. It's very curated. They're doing great things, but they're making a quarter of this woman, this white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes. They're getting paid. Brands have money. I've seen it. <laughs> um, and it's about, I guess, not being like, this is how much they want to pay me. It's about saying, hey, these are my rates. Mm -hmm. If you want to negotiate that, you can negotiate that. Um, and for me, it, it does, like my rate will vary. It'll vary depending on, do I really, really love this brand? Do I, I wish I could use real examples, but there are brands that I really, really love. They're my wish lists. And so I would do that for a little bit less if I love the brand and it's important for me to build the relationship with them because you always want to be thinking long-term, right? I think there's a lot of people that are in the moment and you'd never want to have a bad relationship with the brand because you never know what's going to happen in the future, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's about maintaining relationships, maintaining anything with longevity. Um, so it's, it's okay. So now we have negotiated something, sometimes a little higher, sometimes a little lower. If mm -hmm. it's more content, you can, um, you, you know, you can give them deals, but it's also about, you have to, you can't just throw out a number. This is my rate without, um, being able to back it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted now, to ask. So how do you create your own rates? Like, how do you really price yourself and come yeah. to that? Is there like a formula or like an estimate? Yeah. So, I mean, it varies on a lot. It varies on what is, if we're talking about Instagram specifically, what is my, what is your engagement rate? How long have you been doing it? Do you do other things? Do you, you know, what is attached to your brand? Do you speak a lot or are you solely on Instagram? Are you on YouTube? Do you have, what else, what are your other accomplishments? And I've, I've seen something floating around social media about like, you know, if you are a makeup artist or a professional hair, hair artist, whatever, professional in any aspect, and someone books you for 30 minutes, right? If you're a, a technician, anything, someone needs you for 30 minutes, someone needs you to do a job, you're not, that person's not paying you for those 30 minutes, right? They're paying you for all the work you've done that has gone into you being able to do that job in 30 minutes, yes. right? The education, labor, the, the time, the effort that you've put in, mm -hmm. um, that's how they decide their rates, right? So when a lawyer asks you, 
asks you for $5 million for an hour, it's because that lawyer went to law school, you know? So it's kind of the same with social media. And I think a lot of people ignore that and they just think about followers. Um, no, there's a lot that goes into it. What is the quality of your content? And when it comes to the contracts, okay, what does the brand want from you? I think you have to be really clear about it. You have to be clear about what is the exclusivity? How long do you get to use my content? Um, are you going to um, push this content? What, what does this mean? Where is this gonna be? Um, and brands so easily just slip things in that can go over anyone's head, you know? And that's why I'm so grateful that I have a team that's able to, that knows this way better than I do, yeah. that can handle that. But not everybody has that. Um, so it's important to, it's just so important to stick up for yourself as corny as that sounds. Um, having, don't, I mean, first ask what their budget is, mm -hmm. but, and then say, okay, well, good to hear. This is my rate. Can we meet if you want to meet them? If not, keep it pushing. And I think I've learned with a lot of these larger brands, if you turn something down, usually they come back mm -hmm. and that's kind of. Usually they come back and they're like, all right, because they have the money. I'm sorry. If you are an Estee Lauder company, if you are a L'Oreal company, you have the budget, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but especially they, uh, people of color and women of color, they're always, yeah. we always put into like, oh, we just, at least I have the feeling, oh, also in speaking. So if you're a speaker, any kind of service that you provide, um, there's always this, oh, we need someone that looks like you, that kind of gets the message like you, that kind of like represents that kind of community for our brand or for our campaign or for whatever event. Um, this is how much we pay you, which is probably half of what they give other speakers um, yeah. with the same expertise, just don't look like you and they are not a minority in that sector. So um, we are just being, you know, be happy that you're being invited into the space But I think, okay, I think I heard, uh, who said that? Nafisa, Nafisa said that from Amalia. She said, said something, if you think your rate is a certain number, double it and add something and then give it to the company because yep. too, mu too much of, like, too often, you're just being invited for such a low number just to get someone who looks like you into that space. Yep. And they think you're not going to negotiate. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't. They're like, oh, this is what the brand is willing to pay me. I still remember being so young and innocent and going into my my first, my management before this. Um, I remember going into the office so nervous and they were like, so how much do you charge people? And I, they literally were in awe of how little I was charging uh, because I had no idea. And once I signed, I was making probably five times, more than five times what I was making before. Um, and it was mind-blowing to me how much money is in this industry and how much people are willing to pay. But going back to what you're saying about not knowing, that's why I, it's so important for me to have, for, for women in the community who look like us to form these relationships because if a brand comes to me and they're like hey we want you to do this campaign and they don't want to pay me and it's it kind of feels like oh i you know we can get any we'll get a different one a different one i'm like okay go ask my friend who's probably who's going to charge you as much as i'm going to charge you yes, um yes. and so we brands don't get away with it mm -hmm. anymore um 
and and I'm lucky to have you know friends in the industry. I'm lucky to have like Aisha with me, who Aisha Harun is you probably know is incredible. Um, she's like my mom. She she's she yeah she's the responsible one. Um, who you know we we kind of grew together and we were able to kind of figure things out together. Um, and that's been so incredible to me because we never looked at each other like competition, right? Mm -hmm. We were both doing the exact same thing, but we never looked at it like that. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that we are able to do this. And it's all come full circle of, you know, what we were doing before to both of us are now in LA pursuing our dreams, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's because we had that sisterhood from the jump and, you know, it's great. But I think not sharing, had we not shared rates, had we not, you know, shared issues with certain brands or, you know, there are brands that I don't talk about because they are like that. There are brands that don't care. And, 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 you know, the harsh truth is a lot of these brands don't care about diversity and inclusivity. They just are doing it for their own political gain. They don't care. Um, and that's the, uh, a really harsh reality. And I think for us, I guess for me living in America, like, for example, it's like everything, like you have to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, and especially the layer of being a black Muslim woman, I, it's so easy to be the, the difficult black girl. And it's, it's, I, and I'm just myself, a very passive person. I know this about myself. Um, so it's, it is really easy to just be a pushover. Um, and initially it's hard because how do you tell someone that's trying to make a living off of it? No, you need to assert yourself. Don't work with brands that are doing this. Like that's not realistic. Like yes. people want to work and it, I can't always speak on everything. Um, but it's about picking your battles about, you know, this is what I value. These are the brands that I would love to work with. Like I said earlier, I would, I would do less. I would do more. I would, you know, find a way to make that work. Yeah. I think it's so important because we make money as such a taboo topic. We think, oh, it's so unpolite to ask yeah. how much someone is earning, how much you're pricing yourself, how much your salary is. It's in, in your career as a lawyer or in the financial industry, the same as when you're building a person brand or creating content you just have to have that conversation because mm -hmm. if not you you probably are earning way less than you could because mm -hmm. someone is going to have insight into that area that you don't um so i find sisterhood in your career so important just to have that conversation have that bond and just share with each other kind of the tips and how you overcame that mm -hmm. issue because the other person probably at the same yeah so i want to ask you okay one of the last questions um creating content okay you're creating so much content mashallah now obviously the state of your brand and how you build your team is now very different than how when you started so how was the process like of creating content back when you started and maybe seeing like low views or like low engagement how did you deal with that and then also um, you know, how did you deal with like kind of the ugly beginnings of like really having to do every single step of the content creation process and um, mm -hmm. figuring out your way on your own? Um, how was the content creation back then? And how did you deal with the process? And what can you give other people on the way that are starting and at, are at that moment right now to help them ease the process for them? Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I kind of want to go back to the what I was saying earlier for a second, because mm-hmm. um, I think it's really important to acknowledge the lack, the gap in education about business in, you know, a lot of these white communities versus my community. Um, and that's another reason why it's so important. They don't necessarily need that sisterhood. I mean, they whatever they do, but they have all this background in, in, in how to move, how to navigate, how to deal with money that um, a lot of people in my community don't have. And that's why it's been important to me. Back to content creation. Yes, it's much, much different now. Um, when I first started making videos, it like I said, it was on my webcam of my laptop. And I think now, obviously it's very different. Quality matters a lot more now than it did before. But there's no camera lens that's gonna give you good content if you don't make good content already. Um, and it's about making content that people relate to, that people enjoy, because it's entertainment at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, before, I, I didn't have the money to, to get all this amazing equipment, so I, I still remember buying my first camera, and I still remember, like, yeah, I knew that people were make, had more than me but I was working with what I had and that's what's so that's like a huge part of how like where I am it's like I was I've always just been working with what I have and the resources that I have so um I was making videos I had a lot more energy back in the day like I don't know what happened like I'm not taking my iron anymore I I was able to I remember before I told my parents that I had a YouTube channel they would go to work and I'd be so excited for them to go to work because that means I could go upstairs and film and I'd film like three videos in a day and I'd edit it and I like till this day I'm I'm learning that now what has worked for me may not work anymore right like I always edited my videos by myself but I'm not the best editor I didn't care I was still making it I knew I could be doing better and now now that I I do have the means at Hemd and Die, I can hire someone to do that right so that's kind of what I'm in the process of like I can hire someone to do this better than I can because you know, the same way I hired someone to do my contracts in a way that, in a much better way than I could, you know? So now I'm, I'm there, but it, 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 because I have the re the means now when I didn't, it's like, you do what you have to do. Um, and I loved the content that I was creating and I didn't think about the other side. I never thought about how my content would be received because the second you do that, you're not creating authentic content. Mm. Um, and you and 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 like I said, now I do have to think about it a little bit more. I do have to make sure I'm not saying the wrong thing, but I didn't really care before. <laughs> um, and that's the content I like. I miss that. That's the content I love to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not worrying about the other side and creating content that you yourself want to see mm-hmm. is the most important thing I think, um, because there there will always be people who want to watch it. And and what I tell people now, it's like yes. Yeah, the algorithm. Yes, you want views, but that should not be the number one thing. I think it's always about don't think about that. Create the content you love and keep creating it because this stuff this stuff takes time. And it's not oversaturated. The industry is forever changing. I think my field specifically like influencer marketing isn't going away. Um and it's an industry that adapts constantly to what's happening. So right now with likes going away, people are like well, what does that mean? And it's like, uh, I don't know, but there's always the back end. Like that space always adapts, you know? Um, and if anything, I think it's kind of good that they're getting rid of it because I think people are going to start making more authentic content. I think people are going to start posting more. Um, 
I think it's not going to be as performative. I think a lot of people are really upset about it and I get it because it's, it does hurt smaller creators. It does hurt smaller businesses. Um, because if I see, you know, this sweatshirt that is amazing and it has so many likes and everyone loves it, I might buy it versus if I can't see the likes and I'm just like, what is a small business with a sweatshirt? Um, so I get it. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a hit at them, but I think if you let everything discourage you, um, I guess, I guess you should think about it in the sense of how would like, would you still be doing it if you could, if there was no possibility of making money? And and when I first started doing what I was doing, I wasn't making money. I wasn't thinking about making money. I was just doing it cause I enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. that's always what it goes back to. Um, and now I'm rambling, but no, I think that is very important because you lose that sight when you understand, mm-hmm. okay, I want to build a personal brand that really helps me to build my career. You too often think about the other side and how it comes along and like how other people perceive you which is I think a human thing like if you network with someone if when you get to know someone you want to present yourself in the best light um also in in the social media space but really having that understanding that and I think one of the biggest things that you said is create content that you would want to watch if you feel like you feel shy watching yourself or you're like looking at yourself and you wouldn't show it your mother because she would say that's not you or your sister and she would say you're kind of different in this video then you should be going deeper into your personality and understand you know what is really the authentic content that you can create for yourself yeah um and another thing I noticed is don't sit on your content like Mm -hmm. while you have momentum do it right so they're they're so often people are like, I want to start a YouTube channel. And I'm like, okay, so start tomorrow. Post the video tomorrow because once you lose the momentum, it's gone. And it's really, really difficult to get it back. And, you know, even for me, if I have a video and I sit on it for a long time and I watch it again, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate this. I can't post this. We're so critical on ourselves and you never do it. Um, and there have been so many videos that just never saw the light of day because I just sat on it. So I think posting things in real time is important as well okay so I think the last question is when you started and you started in 2016 and you started in your uh, parents basement what would you have liked to know back then that would have made your journey easier what would I have liked to know um I mean I would have liked to know that I, one, I guess in terms of money, I would have liked to know now that I can ask for my rate. I can, I, I'm allowed to, to, I have agency over basically everything in my career, right? So when I'm, when I'm working with people, they need me more than I need them. And I wish I knew that back then. Uh, a lot of these brands, they need you. You're, you're, you're the, they have a problem and you are the solution. And I wish I looked at things like that before. I think before, because I was so young, I was just like so grateful for all these opportunities, which were great opportunities, but like I'm in the space for a reason. Um, I wish I would have, honestly, as, as, as much as I do, will always vouch for being authentic and, and sharing your stories, not just sharing, you know, that your success is sharing, sharing the difficult moments. Um, I think now it's, 
it's almost uncomfortable how much access pe certain people have because of you know how vocal I've been in the past. Um, so I wish I always thought about you know this could come back to you or you know people are always gonna remember. I I don't I guess I didn't realize that people were actually paying attention. Um, I didn't realize. I wish I knew that I didn't have to. I guess I just didn't have to be so hard on myself. Like I didn't like I didn't have to, you know, beat myself up when things didn't perform when I when, you know, I, I wish I knew that the videos that you get so excited about, and you think you predict are going to work out great are going to be like the best videos might not perform. And I wish I knew that it wasn't up to me and it's like I wish I knew to like expect the unexpected and to not predict and to not have expectations on content and to create content for myself and then because the internet chooses what's going to perform and what's not going to perform like there have been so many times where you're like oh this photo is going to do so well or this this video is going to do so well and it doesn't or and the most random videos of mine have taken off and I'm like why did you guys watch this you know um yeah but I wish I, I, I had a better sense of balance and the sense of like, yes, you need to know what what's trending, what people care about, but staying authentic to yourself. I think had I known the balance that I had now, maybe I would have been in a different place. But um, yeah, you can't, you can't, don't go into it with expectations, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Just do what you love. Yeah. That's beautiful. That was a horrible answer. I'm sorry. No, no. I think it is I think it's important. I would just like to know how how would the shah from like three years ago think about the person that is sitting here right now? She would be spinning. I had no idea where I would be right now. Like this didn't even seem alhamdulillah, like this didn't seem attainable it didn't seem like it was for me. Like I always knew like people like, like this doesn't work out for people like me. Like it's for other people, right? And so I guess you don't realize the grand scheme of things because you're so caught up in day to day. But like when I look back to three years ago, it feels like a century ago because so much has happened. So much work has gone in. And, and I guess going back to what you would what advice I would give to a younger me or someone just starting is you can't predict what's going to happen. I think you need to focus on day to day. You can't go into it being like, this is where you, you want, like, this is where you're going to be. Of course, envision it, have a vision board, like want that for yourself, manifest that. And like manifesting goes hand in hand with Islam because it's like Allah is what you think of him. And, and, and if that's, yes. if you think that that's attainable for you, then it can be, you know? Um, so, I think she would be she would be shocked, but not because of anything external. I think mainly because of like I at Hemdida, like I am proud of where I am. I, I'm proud of the way I deal with things. I'm proud of the work that I put into myself, the time that I've spent with myself. Um, and that's able to make me function better, to make better content. Um, I think she was really the younger me was, you know had no like I was sad all the time but I had that little bit of hope like I know it was honestly like it's it's I was just a, a teenager you know I was really really lost 
but I, there was always something in me that kept me going because I knew there was better. Like I knew that wasn't it. And, and even now when I go through issues or I'm having like going through something incredibly difficult, I know that I can't just like stay there. Mm -hmm. Like I know that if I stay there, that's, that's the worst place. Like I have to keep treading and I have to tread lightly. Yeah. I think more so than anything, just, I'd be proud of the strength that I have that I didn't think I had. So, yeah. And hopefully, you know, like now I'll look back in five years and be like, wow, I've grown so much from when I was 23. And the beautiful thing that I see and hear when you say that is not that it's something external, but Mm -hmm. it's something that you've grown internally and with yourself with and you've become more strong and confident with who you really are which is something that we always think is just like a light a soft factor it's like not really important we don't envision ourselves to be mentally or spiritually strong in five years we envision ourselves 500,000 or two million richer yeah or in a house or married so what I hear from you is really these beautiful, intrinsic, internal, personal factors that you worked mm-hmm. on yourself and not on yeah. something that is a tool or something that is a state of or environment. Yeah. And we're going on to 2020 and obviously people are going to write their goals for the new year, for the new decade, which is crazy to me. <laughs> um, and we always... It's always interesting to me whenever I'm looking at like productivity journals or planners, how like work goals are always like priority. And then it's like, oh, but these are my personal goals. Like your personal (laughs) goals are always on the back burner. Yes. When that should be your priority Mm -hmm. because work, uh, maybe you can ask other people, but I I do love my job, but I think that 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 job isn't going to like hug me and like bring me full satisfaction. Um, and like I said, you you can't do that work unless you're working on yourself first. And you can't do that to the best of your ability unless you're working on yourself first. And you can't be a good friend to other people unless you're good to yourself. Like, I've been such a hypocrite. Like, we all can give really great advice to our friends, but then we can never take it. Um, you know, I can't, like, and, and, and that is focusing on part of your self-care is trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, and, and making sure you're having meaningful conversations and, and interactions because you can grow from those. You grow from having those conversations with your parents, with your friends, with all of these things, but you process them alone and you need to figure out the way that you process them. And for me, it's writing and for other people, it's whatever, whatever it is. But that self-awareness is most important. So I think everyone's goal for 2020 should be self-awareness. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, last but not least. So how we end this podcast is you can ask a question to the audience that they can then answer in the comments below. Anything that we Ooh. talked about or anything that you would like to know from them. Um, yeah, just shoot. What's your question for them? Oh, gosh. I guess something I always ask myself, it's like corny, but like, what what am I doing right now that I'm going to be proud of later? You know, and if, if I'm really not doing anything, it's just a moment to reevaluate. So what are you doing right now that you, you're going to be proud of later? I love and that. I, again, it doesn't have to be work. It shouldn't be work. Yeah. 
It can't be work, actually, a matter of fact. <laughs> okay, okay, the answer cannot be work. So what am, what are you doing right now that you're going to be proud of later? Yeah. Inshallah. Beautiful. Thank okay. you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been lovely. I know we scrambled forever to, to get this done. But... Yes. Subhanallah, you shared so many also practical tips on money. And I love that you were open and like ready to also talk about that because I know yeah. it's a tip for a lot of people and I just don't think that it has to be. So, um, mashallah, we've covered so much. <laughs> all right well thank you again for having me and hopefully we'll be able to chat soon and hopefully you'll be in la soon <laughs> oh, inshallah i hope so <laughs> i hope you loved and got as much value out of this conversation as i did so inshallah don't forget to answer her question in the comments below and share your diversity with us by the way shat has agreed to give away some of her favorite products to you for free so if you want a chance to win them, go check us out on Instagram at ShareDiversity. I'm excited to meet you there. Don't forget, the real deal is going on on ShareDiversity.com. Jump on our newsletter, subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe to our podcast to stay educated on the go. And I'll see you next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.